Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Okay, welcome to a very special episode of The Luminaries. We are here to discuss the cosmic legacy of the princess of R&B herself, Aaliyah. Um, to do that, I am joined with the greatest... L- let me just say something. You can, at this point in 2021, you can buy an Aaliyah t-shirt at Urban Outfitters in Williamsburg, mind you, um, in one of those kind of compound hell districts that belongs in Helsinki. (laughs) There is a faggot out there who has been doing this work uh, since Aaliyah was performing live. And uh, I have recruited his um, uncanny, inestimable skills for this very occasion. Uh, so I want to introduce and welcome my beloved, dear, dear friend, Gabby Hornig. Hello, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad you're here. This is auspicious and I'm, it's exciting and I feel it's like- It's really a thrill. Yeah. Okay, good. Something um, I've dreamed of, only dreamed of happening. And I do wanna sort of take a moment for that horrible urban outfitters with the Aaliyah t-shirts that we saw with our own eyes. I I want to take a moment and talk about the Aaliyah poster you have over your bed. Could you just give yes. us a little history of that? Yeah, I ha- well, I guess I must have gotten it in around 2001 when she, shortly after she passed away. Um, and that was, yeah, I had it in my childhood bedroom for years and years. And then this past September, I brought it back up with me to Brooklyn. I thought it was time, you know, yeah, time for her to be be closer to me. So I want to lay some um, some kind of ground rules before we mm-hmm. start. First of all, um, this is not a definitive astrology reading. This is an interpretation of her chart for me, who is a student of astrology, um, with the aid of Gabby, who is a student of Aaliyahology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is done with love and affection. If there's any aspect of this that doesn't ring true to you or that you think is not correct to her or her legacy, please reach out to me and let me know. And I will, on the next episode, absolutely uh, bring it up and address it. This is done uh, for a sense of love and illumination for the people who love Aaliyah, her legacy, and her music. Um, and um, this is not a psychic reading. This is an intuitive archetypal reading based on her life and her history. Uh, and we mean to do it with as much respect and admiration as possible. Um, with that being said, Gabby, I think we should get cracking. Let's do it. Okay. So 
just to give us a little scope, I'm just going to talk about three of the big kind of signs that are in play with Aaliyah. Um, Aaliyah's rising, first of all, Aaliyah and I have the same rising sign. So does Barack Obama. Let's just kind of be obsessed with that. Aaliyah is an Aquarius rising. So if we think of the rising sign, the sign that was breaking on the Eastern horizon when Aaliyah was born is Aquarius. Um, Aquarius rising, that means that in her very first house of her chart, um, we have Aquarius and Aquarius kind of sets the point of view and the kind of direction of her life. Aaliyah's son, along with her Mercury and Mars, are in Capricorn. So she is a Capricorn, she's a Capricorn son. Capricorn is where she shines. It's the source of her vitality and it gives us a lot of insight into her essential character. Capricorn and Aquarius are both ruled by the planet Saturn. Saturn is the planet of structure, definition, and restriction, and time. Um, and we find Saturn uh, in Virgo along with Aaliyah's moon. So Aaliyah has her moon, north node, point of fortune, and Saturn in Virgo. I'll get into what all of that means later. Um, but I just want to say that the three kind of key signs we're going to be looking at are Aquarius, Capricorn, and Virgo. Uh, Capricorn and Virgo are both earth signs. Gabby uh, has a lot of both of those in his chart. Uh, actually, he has a lot of all three of those in, in his chart. L let's just say Gabby is not only an Aquarius, Gabby is the Aquarius. I mean, it's that it, it feels weird to say that about myself, but it, that you know, it came to me in a vision, and that's just how it is. And and it's kind of amazing because I I want to start here by saying Aaliyah is an Aquarius rising. I'd say Aaliyah. I want to talk about Aaliyah's peership with Brandy, and then I want to talk about because Brandy is famously an Aquarius, and then Aaliyah is born on the same day as Sade. Yeah, Sade is one of our greatest Capricorns. So I do like placing Aaliyah in this spectrum with Sade and Brandy, and I, I'm curious how you see her fitting or uh, differing from those two women. Mm -hmm. That I mean, that makes total sense musically because I think Sade is one of her I think she said Sade was a huge influence for her and you can hear it vocally I think they have a mm -hmm. lot in common stylistically and then Brandy was coming onto the scene at the same time as Aaliyah as I think several months after Aaliyah's debut album Brandy released hers so they were both kind of part of the same group of young of, of teen they were teens so teen teen girls in R&B um, I want to talk about the teen thing um, because I, I'd love for you to confirm this is kind of a theory that I've been I've been thinking about. You know, if we think about Aquarius as futuristic, um, mm -hmm. most Aquarians are like twenty years ahead of the pack. Um, Aquarius is very much about um, reinvention, uh, new forms of expression, especially when it comes to technology, and it's interesting with Aaliyah and Brandy is I see them at the vanguard of this kind of youth revolution, which is if we think about the 90s, I see the 90s as a lot of like women and a lot of ballads. And I see Brandy and especially Aaliyah as bringing in, and maybe I'm wrong with the timing of this, maybe someone else did this, but bringing in this kind of new sound, this new style, and essentially there's this major reclamation of 
kind of a teen culture, a teen identity, et cetera. How do you feel about that? I think that's very accurate. I feel like when she came onto the scene, which was 1994, I was thinking about like, you know, who was, who was popular at that time? It was like Whitney, Mariah, um, Mary J. Blige had just come out like En Vogue, Mm -hmm. like big voices, you know, like big singers. And as you said, like a lot of power ballads and, you know, eighties pop and stuff like that. And so I think she was, she and like TLC were Mm. coming out at the same time and kind of giving you more of a like melding of R&B and hip hop Mm. and kind of a more like style based sound, I feel like, rather than like huge vocals. So that makes sense to me. Yes, Um, I love that. And then Um, she, Brandy and Monica were kind of like the three that I think of in that group of like coming out in 1994, 95 and, and doing what you said, kind of coming out with that new, like kind of new sound. What is the Monica song that you have been listening to a lot lately? Oh, um, uh, which one? Oh my God. It's from the, her first album. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to put you uh, on the spot, but you no, made me listen to it and it's no, really no, good. it's, I, I've been, yeah, it's, uh, uh, before you, what is it? Before you walk out of my life. Before you walk out of my life. Yeah. Mm. So good. So yeah, it's it, it is interesting comparing her with TLC. The thing the thing about Aquarius uh is well, we can say this about Aquarius and Capricorn, but Aquarian sexuality is different. Um and again, she's a Capricorn, she's an Aquarius <laughs> rising. But um, <laughs> We have a bit of a different vibe. Um, Aquarius is a little zoomed out and it's a little bit big picture and it's not super uh, direct. Um, And Aaliyah is very much known for a very clear and defined self-image that was also very subtle. Uh, Mm -hmm. Aaliyah is thought to have presaged or augured the health goth movement, which I think is so good. I love that. It's so good. And we have this, we have some great, I wrote some great quotes now, but she has this one, um, image is important to differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack. So, you know, when we compare Aaliyah to, I think, all of her peers, honestly, like, if we compare her to Destiny's Child, if we could, you know, TLC obviously had a very uh, dazzling style, but there is something about Aaliyah's style that from the jump, boom, 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 it's there. Yes. And like, n- no editing needed, no development needed. Like, here we are, you know? Yes, it was because she had the sort of tomboy style that like TLC did also had. Yes. But it was, it was tomboy, but it was like this kind of mysterious like she had this mystique about her mm-hmm. and it was very, she was very in touch with her, I think like her sexuality and, um, but it was, it was subtle and it was kind of gentle um, in yes. a way that was, I think, unique. Yes. Um, let's get into that ac- actually. So as established, um, she's, Aquarius rising, her son is in Capricorn. So Capricorn is, you know, I love the Capricorns in my life. They, <laughs> they are 
they are tough nuts to crack. Um, Capricorn is the sign. Capricorn is the first, it's a cardinal sign. It's the first sign of the winter. Uh, Capricorn is set to kind of plan ahead and lock everything down for the winter. Capricorn is the sign of governance. It's the sign of the state. Um, it's very much the sign of managing, uh, preparing, preserving. So Capricorn is very much about she has her sun, so her vitality, her expression, her Mars, which is her drive, her kind of sexuality, her fire, and her Mercury, which is her expression in Capricorn. She has Capricorn in the 12th house. The 12th house is the final house in the chart. The 12th house is the kind of, by the way, I also have Capricorn in the 12th house, but I think she and I have had slightly different journeys. Um, the 12th house is the house of closure. It's the house of undoing. It's the house of personal history. It's the house of rehabilitation and uh, behind the scenes work. So, you know, when you see someone with a 12th house, especially Capricorn Sun, you think, oh, wow, th this is a really private person who probably does more behind the scenes work. And obviously, like the best metaphor here is we know if we think of her in a studio, we can see her really thriving. But I just want to, first of all, lay out this kind of 12th house Capricorn element, which is, she, and we're going to get into this more, especially when it came to her love life, but there is this aspect of privacy, um, subtlety, and um, moving at a slow and careful and deliberate pace. And if we think about other Capricorns, especially in music, we think about Dolly Parton, David Bowie, obviously Sade, um, less so Patti Smith, but if we think about, let's say, Dolly Parton and David Bowie, there is a sense of you get what you get, you get what they're going to give you, but no one has ever seen a picture of Dolly Parton's husband, and David Bowie very much gave and gave and had this huge constructed image, but he was not I don't, if David Bowie were alive now, I don't think he'd be like posting on his Instagram. You know, there is this aspect of privacy and this aspect of I'm going to give it to you, but only as much as I say so. And um, if we think about people like David Bowie or Patti Smith, there is this aspect of they can go seven years between an album, which Aaliyah also went seven years between albums. And you, you'll you wait for it. They are not going to give you any more until they're ready and until they know it's perfect. There is this kind of perfectionism and this relationship of they are not at the mercy of the public. The It's, it's the other way around. How is that feeling to you, Gabby? Mm -hmm. I agree. I think she... I feel like she... she had a lot she wanted to do like because we have to remember like not only was she recording albums she was shooting movies and and yeah. all this stuff so like there was a big break between her second and third albums because she was doing Romeo Must Die and Queen of the Damned and um so yeah I think she she did kind of have a lot she wanted to do and she made sure that she was appreciating it while it happened I mean that's my 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 sense of her yes um and she had her mars so her drive and her son exactly conjunct so we know that there's a huge amount of ambition there a huge amount of personal drive um and with with that capricorn and that mercury there it with her we know she could make it happen which she did there was this kind of uh 
a business acumen and you know i was watching the walter mercado doc today and he really relied on others for business decisions i don't think that would have been the case with Aaliyah. there is a lot of deception that happened with her once again which we will get mm -hmm. into but i think in terms of that um that careful personal planning it was there the other thing i want to say about capricorn is like patty smith is a capricorn and obviously timothy chalamet is a capricorn some signs are later bloomers i think of leo as a later bloomer i actually think of kind of aquarius as a bit of a later bloomer capricorns yeah, hello um, i would agree getting better with age <laughs> Capricorns mm -hmm. to me, and this is the same with David Bowie, often kind of come ready to, to get rolling. Just because Capricorn is the sign of the state, Capricorn often there is this sense of like, okay, I know how the matrix works, like let's get cracking. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, and we're really gonna get into this, Aaliyah has a lot of this concentration in her 12th house the 12th house is closure the 12th house is karma and the 12th house is past lives and there is I, i'm not comparing her to timothy chalamet i'm comparing her <laughs> to timothy chalamet's kind of youthful emergence and that kind of immediate emergence of talent mm -hmm. where we do get the sense because we have this capricorn uh, cluster in the 12th house and then we have another cluster we have saturn the moon part of fortune and the north node in the eighth house of death life cycles and rebirth we get a sense of some past life action and some depth and a sense that she kind of arrived on this planet cooked there's a lot more ooky spookiness in that regard that gabby and i are going to get into um but just from the start there was this sense that she was ready to go you know mm -hmm. she was she was uh older than her age yes um yes so i want to say that aquarius is every sign is ruled by different planets aquarius is ruled by saturn which we're about to get into aquarius is also ruled by uranus uranus is the planet of upheaval and revolution she had uranus in her 10th house 10th house of career and public roles in scorpio so scorpio is also the the planet of but Scorpio is also, again, the sign of death and the sign of uh, metamorphosis and rebirth. Scorpio is also very much tied to authenticity and to discernment. And I love this idea that not only did she, in her death, leave behind this revolutionary image, but I also think in her career role, the people she chose to collaborate with, if we think about Missy Elliott and Timbaland, mm -hmm. it was... It was uh, the start of a revolution basically mm -hmm. if we think of two of the names who would define specifically the next decade or so of that music genre her kind of scorpio discernment in that arena left behind already that huge legacy yeah um okay so there's so much to say first of all i also want to say i didn't know this uh aliyah in arabic is highest exalted and the best iconic mm -hmm. <laughs> and to add to this i, I kind of want to stay in her capricorn for a little bit um so there's this quote from Aaliyah: you're not going to get the whole picture of Aaliyah, not for a while um and privacy for Aaliyah was really a big theme when i went through her chart so like i said 
you know, we have this 12th house Capricorn, which is very much a private sign. It's very much about these kind of private revolutions. You don't really fully know the person. And there's a lot of kind of a secret life. To add to that, um, okay, so when you have Mercury, which is the planet of communication in your 12th house, um, Mercury rules Gemini. She has her Gemini in the fifth house of um, pleasure, romance, creativity, and sex. So we have the planet of expression in this kind of clandestine house ruling, um, ruling her house of like love and romance. And then we have her son, which rules her seventh house, Leo, where she has her Lilith. Um, there is this huge aspect of clandestine relationships, clandestine self-expression, kind of a secret aspect that we don't really get to see or know about. Um, and, you know, if we look at this kind of relationship history, the the theme let's i think we should just get into it this the theme of secret romance is very strong in her yes. chart um <clears throat> and gabby i don't know if you can kind of lay out some of this personal history it's very shadowy um yeah. i hate to mention the cursed name of r kelly but he was the producer of her first album when she was 14 and 15. um and so it's very unclear kind of she I don't think she talked about it much. I think, um, you know, they're alleged, you know, apparently what happened was they eloped and uh, they pretended that she was 18 when she was actually 15 and they got married in Illinois. And, um, you know, there have been a lot of other accounts from people saying, oh, they were just platonic. They were friends. But it was very... Um, I can't even imagine what that situation must have been like for her. Um, but I think moving forward in her career, like they stopped working together. She worked with different producers for her second album. And then she just never talked about, I don't think she ever wanted to get into it in interviews. Yeah. And she was often asked about it and she was just like, I'm not giving you, you know, yeah. she's not going to give you anything. Um, yeah. So let's just get into that. I think I would love if we could get the R. Kelly stuff out of the way now because it does kind of cast a shadow over things. Mm -hmm. um, but once we can like get it out in the open, we can kind of move on from there. Aaliyah had her seventh house, uh, which is the house of intimate partnerships and relationships was in Leo. Um, Leo is the opposite of Aquarius. Leo is very much kind of star power, uh, this kind of egocentric self-expression. In Leo, we have Jupiter. Jupiter is the planet of excess and abundance, among other things. Um, and we have Jupiter in a square with her son and her Mars in that uh, 12th house. Like we said, her son uh, rules Leo in that 12th house. Her Mercury rules Gemini in her fifth house of pleasure. So there is this aspect of, um, I think, maybe being dazzled by by a lover but by, by being kind of uh you know she's very zoomed out and i think with that mercury and capricorn uh, mercury and capricorn and that aquarius rising i think her sense of individual self though her sense of presentation was very strong i think as a young person it may well have been that her sense of self was very much um needed direction which we then see with of course she has, and thank you for letting me ramble, Gabby, but she has a strong cluster of planets in the eighth house. The eighth house is 
the house of death, the house of sex, and the house of family legacy. She has Saturn in her moon there. Her moon is kind of her ancestry. So we know, you know, she had a huge relationship with her family. Her family was very involved in every aspect. Her family members were at every single music videotaping, famously, except for Rock the Boat, which we're going to get into. Um, and then, of course, in her 11th house, she has Venus and Neptune in Sagittarius. The 11th house is the house of network and community. Here we have Venus, her artistry, her beauty, Neptune, her imagination in Sagittarius, which is this very social sign, this very outgoing sign. So we know that it was very essential for her to be kind of directed and guided and surrounded by a supportive network, which in many ways she was by her family at first and then by kind of the Missy Elliott Timbaland milieu. But when we see that Lilith and that Jupiter in Leo in the seventh sign, there is this sense of if, if of being maybe seduced or dazzled by this kind of larger than life figure. Um, and when we look at, let's look at her Saturn and her moon. Um, if we look at her eighth house, the eighth house is, the eighth house is this big turning point in the chart. It's kind of where you go for metamorphosis. It's like the house of inheritance of legacy and of life cycles. She has her part of fortune here, which is what it sounds like. She has her north node here, which is kind of her point of higher consciousness. She has her mood, moon here, which is her ancestry and her inner needs. Um, and she has her Saturn here. Saturn is structure and definition, and Saturn is also age. So we're going to get into all these meanings in a second. And thank you for bearing with me, Gabby. But first of all, Saturn is in a square with her Venus. Anytime I see a Saturn, Venus, anything, I always say older lover or love that gets better with age. Um, some people might disagree when it comes to a Saturn square Venus, but if we think of Venus as this kind of love, beauty, goddess power, and Saturn as this kind of gatekeeper father time, um, there is an aspect of kind of an older lover who is also... Um, who may also be playing a gatekeeper role because we're seeing Saturn, which is rules and restriction with the moon. Uh, the moon is her deepest inner needs. Um, and, and there's this sense that if we see kind of this older romantic figure and this older gatekeeper, because he was the first collaborator in a lot of ways as as this, this entry point into this larger world, because yes, her North Node is there, her part of fortune is there, but also as this um, th this gatekeeper and this, this barrier to her expression. And, you know, her, her Venus is with her Neptune. Venus is love. Neptune is this kind of higher consciousness and imagination. When we see Venus and Neptune together, there is this sense of a, like a someday my prince will come complex or maybe just a sense of deception when it comes to love. And they're both squaring that Saturn. So to me, I'm seeing if Saturn in her life may have at one point been played by R. Kelly. Um, there is this aspect of kind of a deception and and a a blurriness and an excess and um, a wound there. And Lilith, which represents this kind of central wound, the central moment of kind of a rude awakening of getting kicked out of, of Eden, is in that seventh house of intimate partnerships. So I get a sense that she learned a lot and she also knew, I, I think the 
for such a private person, having all of that kind of scandalized and having that so out in the open um, was probably like, that is never going to happen again. You know what I mean? What do you think about that, Gabby? Yeah, um, that makes sense to me. I, I, I'm trying to remember, I was reading that in during that time, I think she, I mean, this is not shocking for the way that our, our culture is, but she was like villainized for, for some parts of it, or, you know, uh, assigned some kind of blame, which Mm. of course should not have happened. So I'm, it's amazing that she kind of was able to come out of that situation, um, with as much like seemingly, you know, like with her sense of self so intact and her, Mm. so, you know, able to kind of go on to even greater success right after that. I love you saying that, Gabby, because if we think about the Lilith myth in biblical mythology, you know, Lilith is the first gaslit woman. Lilith is Adam's first wife. She says, I'm not sleeping under him. Like, you created us both out of the earth. We're equals. Fuck this. She gets kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and she gets kind of marked and turned into this, like, demoness. It's so interesting, you know, uh, Aaliyah then getting kind of pinned for this thing that happened and that being in her leo leo is very much about the self and leo is very much about the public self in that seventh house of intimate relationships and i think for Aaliyah, who's very much this zoomed out very aquarian personality to get pegged in her relationship life and get criticized or maybe castigated i see that lilith being there as being Mm -hmm. like you're not gonna fucking exile me like you're not gonna judge me um and it's also interesting because she has pluto pluto is the planet of death rebirth metamorphosis in libra libra is the is the house of is the sign of relationships and it is squaring her sun and her mars so it's interesting that this and there's another there's there's more with that Pluto we'll get into later on, but it, it is interesting how much this relationship, I think, um, challenged, challenged her, her privacy, her vitality, um, and her clear, her clear sense of control. If we think of Capricorn as very much wanting control, if we think of that Mars and that Sun as really wanting control, um, it's getting squared by Pluto, it's getting squared by Jupiter. Pluto and Libra in that uh, sign of relationships, Jupiter in that seventh house of intimate relationships. So there is this sense of her control being threatened by those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wanna say though, Aaliyah's Venus is extremely powerful. Um, Aaliyah has Venus in the 11th house of network community uh, and ideals, which is the original domain of Aquarius. Um, And she has Venus absolutely right on her midheaven. The midheaven in astrology is the top of your chart. It's your most public place. So Venus right on that midheaven in Sagittarius. Sagittarius is all about new scenes, uh, new ideas, meeting new people, etc. It's really in this powerful point of not just popularity and social grace, but um, really setting forth a scene and a milieu and a taste. How is that resonating and that's with exactly you? Exactly what 
what she did after that bad situation. Like she signed with a new label and then she teamed up with Missy and Timbaland mm. for her second album. And they were new too. Like they, yes. they were new to the scene relatively. So they kind of got together and like truly made magic that yeah. they, they knew, I think they knew at the time, like it was special and it's only become clearer with time how influential they were together and and how uh ahead of their time they were yeah um so that can that totally makes sense they had a really great group and, i love that yeah um especially like we said she has pluto uh which is really pluto is this source of it's like an, a personal underworld and it's also a site of regeneration so she has pluto and libra you know, Libra is the sign of relationships. And I love this idea that there was this kind of relational metamorphosis that happened that uh, that that made it okay for her to be led and directed. And I also want to say she has Saturn um, in that eighth house. The eighth house is the house also of metamorphosis. The eighth house is the house of life cycles. Um, and she has the moon there. We think of the moon as this kind of ancestral goddess, um, this kind of heritage of women. So we know, and we're about to get into Gladys Knight, we know that she was very much informed by this lineage of women older than her. But I also just see that that, that moon um, and that Venus, that there is this aspect, I think, that she also... I think if she had continued to live, she would have played a teacher role. And mm. to me, I like the idea that Timbaland and Missy Elliott were as informed by her yes. as she was by them. Yeah, and I think I think t I think working with her, Timbaland really found the specific sound that we associate him with from like yes, twenty fifteen twenty years ago, and it's changed a little bit. But I've listened to an interview with him where he was saying after she died, he just had to kind of step away, really step away from, from music for a little bit because like his, so much of his artistic identity was tied to her and he had to like find a new way to approach it. Yeah. After that. And it's, it's so. Ugh, I'm thinking about sad. her. I'm thinking about like his other collaborators. Like if we think about Sierra or Nelly Furtado, whom I adore. Yeah. Which I think, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go on. I was gonna say I think of them as kind of like the next phase for him. I do too, but I like, think she set that mold. Totally, like he, I think she and um, uh, Genuine were like some mm. of his big early artists, and then, yeah, like in the early two thousands, he's kind of he he like where he did an album with Brandy and worked with Justin Timberlake, and I think kind of went into that like kind of dance poppy like Nelly Furtado vibe. Mm. But there's just something about Nelly Furtado and Sierra that I do think th there's a lot of Aaliyah DNA there. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I think Sierra with her kind of subtlety and N Nelly Furtado with, I want to say her masculinity. <laughs> hmm. Maybe this is just yeah. me going off. No, I never I, thought of I her. think Aaliyah I kind of set the mold, you know? Totally. Um, um, yeah, I think there, I think like Destiny's Child and, mm. um, Maya were kind of people that came, that started a little bit after her that were 
that were influenced by her. Um, and actually, weirdly, I think a lot of the girls now, like in the past five to ten years, like this the sort of oh, new yeah. contemporary R&B that we're seeing, like even Ariana Grande and stuff are very, I feel like she kind of even skipped, kind of skipped a cycle and now is really influencing the girls that are out now. I think that's really interesting because right now, um, so it takes the planet Uranus uh, 84 years to make a full cycle. So a Uranus, any any time Uranus is in any one of your signs, it's like once in a lifetime. Uh, right now, Aaliyah would be going through her Uranus opposition, which is what happens kind of at your late 30s and 40s when um, Uranus is the planet of uh, upheaval, awakening, higher consciousness. We said that, uh, you know, she her chart is ruled by Uranus in Scorpio in her 10th house of career and public roles. Uranus is currently in Taurus, so it's across the way from Scorpio. And right now, I think if she were alive, Aaliyah would be having this kind of kind of this this bursting a, a new bursting forth a new awakening uh this kind of leveling up in her career mm -hmm. and i think we're seeing that with a lot of the children we're seeing that with rihanna we're seeing that with sizza etc etc mm -hmm. which is we're seeing her legacy um germinating you know yeah it's wild to think about what, especially because she was also starting to really get into movies like mm -hmm. thinking about all the things she would have done even aside from music. Um, yeah. Um, so let's just get back into that. Um, so Aaliyah in her eighth house, the eighth house of death and sex, metamorphosis, life cycles. We have her moon, which is her ancestry, uh, her soul, where she finds security, Saturn, structure and definition, part of fortune and North node. Um, she had it in the eighth house in Virgo, Virgo is um, the sign of work, organization, um, breaking things, breaking down inf information and synthesizing it. Um, and Virgo is very much of the body. Virgo is very much about rigor and perfection. Um, her Virgo is ruled by Mercury, again, in that 12th house of kind of that hidden life, etc. So there's a lot to talk about here. First of all, there's a huge in this chart just because she has so much power in virgo which is very much body 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 in this eighth house of sex um and the moon rules her cancer which is in her sixth house of work service in the body i i could see her having become a bond girl frankly and i, I think her sex oh. symbology would have only escalated mm -hmm. honestly i could see her going through like because there's a lot of mystical power which we haven't even gotten into mm -hmm. but i can see her becoming not just a sex symbol but like a, a sex a sex liberator, a sex educator, a sex teacher. I could see her going through a doula phase with Erica Badu. Oh. I just think there's a huge aspect of her changing our idea of sexuality, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, how are you feeling about that? <laughs> I, it's just, I, I, wish, I wish we could see it. Yeah. Um. Um, especially with Venus right on her midheaven, there is this kind of... Uh, reclamation of sexuality uh with that eighth house so virgo is very much about rigor 
Um, and like we've established, we have this powerful Virgo Capricorn link here. We have our moon in Virgo. It's ruling that sixth house of work service in the body. We know, by the way, Aaliyah, through her, her albums coming out, uh, was attending high school and graduated with a 4.0. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we just know, I think the thing that really set Aaliyah apart was this very, very Capricornian sense of hyper-structured, uh, very perfect, very exact, very correct, you know, not resting on any laurels and really turning it out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think with her moon and her sun, moon in Virgo, sun in Capricorn, there is this sense of, I think more than the stardom, I, you know, I don't see her chart as being too attracted to stardom. There's a lot of star power. To me more, it was really about the perfection of the work, um, you know? Yeah. I think that's what sets, sets her apart too. Yeah, it was just all, she was always so effortless, effortlessly cool. And like, it, she never seemed like she was, I don't know, just, she was never trying too hard for anything. She always mm -hmm. seemed very, um, very grateful and content with what she had achieved up to any point, you know, mm -hmm. which is kind of sad, you know, sad, like foreshadowing, like, of what was going to happen but i don't know um yeah um you know her venus venus rules taurus she had taurus like i do in her fourth house of home uh and family and there there is this sense that um when you have that there is kind of a it's a peaceful venus it's a venus who wants to project a chill atmosphere mm -hmm. that's very guided by by a sense of home and family um Let's get into that because, you know, when we when we see that Saturn and that moon in that eighth house of family inheritance, we know that she's very much connected to the family. Um, and particularly, she gets a lot of support by older women. So can you explain this whole Gladys Knight scenario? Because I did not know about this. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, essentially Gladys was married to Aaliyah's uncle. So Gladys was her aunt. And I believe that when Aaliyah was starting out, like she she won Star Search when she was 10. And then I think that Gladys would have her open um, shows for her, for Gladys. Mm. So I think she kind of took her under her wing a little bit and gave her a, a bit of a start. Um, and then I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how how that you know if that led to a record and, deal and gladys was... was married to her uncle mm -hmm. which is like sure so relatable like <laughs> yeah. your uncle you was married know. to gladys knight at one you point you like... never know who, who people's uncles are going to be married to <laughs> you really can't anything <laughs> in my 31 years almost <laughs> it's the one thing you you just can't account right. for um yeah so and her family was very involved. Um, she was very close with, uh, especially her brother Rashad. And and uh, we're getting we're we're going to get to her death soon. But yeah, they were at. Uh, there is that quote where he's like, "We were at every single music video taping except for the last one, which was Rock the Boat." Huh. Um, so I do love that aspect with the eighth house. Um, so the eighth house is interesting because the eighth house is connected to life cycles. And 
like I said earlier, the twelfth house is kind of past lives, past lives. Um, when we see the eighth house and the twelfth house, there's a lot of connection to death, and there's a lot of connection to um, to rebirth, to karmic energy, etc. And I do want to write this down because this is truly where it gets cuckoo. This is from Alan Oaken. Um, I was researching what it meant that she had um, her Mercury uh, ruling her eighth house in that twelfth house, and Saturn and Mercury, uh, as we see, have this trine, which is a supportive angle in her chart. And Alan Oaken wrote this down. And Gabby, you are about to gag. Um, oh my gosh! Hold on, I just want to make sure that I can get this right. Uh, hold on, let me just. Find I'm nervous. It. Okay, Saturn and Mercury in this good aspect indicates quote an ability to regenerate contact to the akashic records semicolon dip into the collective experiences of humanity and draw out the energy and wisdom of the ages so we have that and i also just want to say you know her mars was squared pluto which is rough uh alan oaken describes that placement as quote the annihilator so when i read that she has this like innate connection to the akash because throughout my my research of this chart i was like okay she has this like she's tapped into the life cycles and karma and sexuality and past lives but once i saw the akashic records thing i was just like okay bitch like we're done <laughs> and my brain that doesn't know anything about is terrible at retaining information about astrology jumped to hmm coincidence that she played queen akasha I exactly. Think not. Exactly. I like, think not. She plays Queen Akasha, and we have this Mars Pluto, which Alan Oaken describes as the Annihilator. She has this incredible power in this twelfth house of kind of this hidden clandestine past life stuff. She has all of this eighth house stuff connecting to it, which is death, rebirth, life cycles. This Sun and this Mars are conjunct, which is very much like hothead wrath rage massive temper which we never really saw but in queen of the damned she got to embody all of that and mm. i actually think that's a part of who she is i'm not saying that she was like secretly a lunatic um <laughs> but i do think she had there is this aspect of akasha and queen of the damned where she is this timeless immortal chic <laughs> Oh my god, Camp Chic. Ancient queen who is like revered, adored, and feared. Um, and it's very Aquarius, by the way, because Aquarius is the deliverer of the new consciousness. Aquarius delivers the Piscean consciousness. Piscean consciousness is not all good. It's very overpowering, messianic, uh, can be destructive. So I love how this performance as Akasha ties in a lot of a lot of the Aaliyah I don't think we got to see embodied in her real life yet, and she didn't live to fully embody. But I think there was this aspect of it that it was her shadow self that I really love. I wish we I I wonder if that would have come out eventually in her music. Yeah. Um I think it really would. Apparently, one of her musical influences was Nine Inch Nails. And I'm like, imagine, 
you know, what music she would have put out in the future, like with if she had sort of gone more in, in a rock direction, that could be cool. Nothing on this earth could be hotter to me than saying like, yeah, my, my influences are Sade and Nine uh, Inch Nails. Right. It's like, wait, what? Like, so, so, so hot. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that to me was really powerful. Um, okay. I want to go over some like key points. Um, Aaliyah's chart, like I said, Aaliyah has Venus right on her midheaven. The way that astrology is broken down is we have four kind of key points in a chart. We have the midheaven, the ascendant, um, the the imam Queli, the IC, which is the lowest point in the chart, the base of the chart, and the descendant, which is in that seventh house of relationships. So Aaliyah had a lot of these big life moments during these major transits um, that hit her those four points exactly. I'm not saying that that means anything, that that's like auguring early death or anything, but I'm saying that she lived this very intense, um, astrologically, she hit these very intense marks, um, which led to this very well-lived life, even though it was a short life. So first I wanna just say, in 1994, Aaliyah was going through her Saturn opposition so saturn was in pisces um saturn people think of your saturn return as this big coming of age moment if you think of your saturn opposition happens around age 14 that is again saturn is the this the planet of age so your saturn opposition is is this kind of youthful rebellion fuck you mom and dad etc i want to i i'm a person i'm an adult what does Aaliyah do during her Saturn opposition? She releases the song Age Ain't Nothing But a Number, which is amazing. Saturn is literally the planet of age and time. So during her Saturn opposition in Pisces, she hooks up with Art Kelly, who's a much older man, and she releases Age, age Ain't Nothing But a Number. And this is all happening conjunct her South Node. So her South Node is kind of the energy we want to get away from it's energy you're coming out of so that just is very interesting convergence to me i want to start with mm. um in 1996 during her uranus square jupiter was opposing um it's 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 natal position. So she had Jupiter and Capricorn. So Jupiter is hitting her Mars and her sun. If we think of Jupiter as the planet of abundance, it's hitting her vitality. It's hitting her where she gets her shine. It's hitting her drive. And it's in that 12th house, which is very much the house of the studio. Who does she link up with? Timbaland and Missy Elliott. Um, so I love that. In 1997, Jupiter is in Aquarius. I just want to say Jupiter is currently in Aquarius. So for someone like Gabby Hornig or uh, other Aquarius <laughs> risings like myself. It's kind of an auspicious time. 1997 kind is of this, a lot going on. Yeah, you're kind of having a moment, I would say. <laughs> um, you know, this podcast know. is just kind of the, the cherry on top. <laughs> this podcast is getting me through. Likewise. Um, in 1997, when she has Jupiter in Aquarius, we see she graduates high school 4.0, baby. She does the Tommy Hilfiger campaign, which sells out. Can you believe? And she ends the relationship with R. Kelly. So Jupiter and Aquarius, to me, uh, 
Jupiter is in her first house of individual selfhood. Again, it's opposing that seventh house, um, the seventh house where we we said we have a lot of this these kind of wounds relating to intimate relationship and stardom. There's this major reclamation happening. Okay, 1998, Jupiter moves into Pisces in her second house of her second house of personal values uh, and earning. And Pisces, Jupiter is ruled by Pisces, so it's very much this cinematic, creative, all the world's a stage house, and it's directly uh, opposing her moon. Jupiter's in Pisces, this is when she performs at the Oscars, Neptune is in Aquarius, so at this point she's fully projecting. She was a soundtrack queen at that point. Oh, yeah, she was. She did like Cloak and Dagger, she She did a few, right? uh, She sang Journey to the Past from Anastasia. She okay, said she did Are You That Somebody, which was from the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack, which was one of her best songs. Major. And then um, I think in 1999 was Try Again, which was from Romeo Must Die. So she was really on a roll with the soundtracks. So that's kind of amazing. If we think of uh, Jupiter and Pisces as this very like cinematic again thing, it's in her second house um, of of earning, basically. So there, I love this idea that like, through these soundtracks we're like bringing in the money mm-hmm. we're, we're getting to perform at the oscars like we're getting she, her reach is really expanding because there's she's doing like marvel soundtracks dr doolittle like it's getting bigger and bigger she does the romeo must die soundtrack um okay and by the way i just want to say with romeo must die a lot of the criticism with that movie is that she and Jet Li don't have sexual <laughs> charisma, which I love because her Mars, which is a lot of her sexual per- ferocity, is in her clandestine 12th house in Capricorn, which is very advantageous. She's an Aquarius rising. Her Venus is in Sag. So yeah, she's not going to like turn it on and turn it off just for anyone, yeah. anytime, anywhere. You like it's so much more subtle and you can't just ask her to be like the romantic lead. Uh, especially with Jet Li, who I don't really see her having much charisma with. I could see her being a Bond girl because Bond girl sexuality isn't really about chemistry. It's more about style, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she was supposed to be uh, in the Matrix sequels. Oh, kill me. Um, which would have been very cool. It kills me because, like... That's another one where it's like, it just wouldn't have even been a costume for her. It's like, oh yeah, she looks great. Like, <laughs> she just would have absolutely torn it. You yeah. Know? Um, so I do want to get into 2001. Um, this is not my forte, and this is just me like sharing some details. When she died in August 2001, um, her Saturn was exactly conjunct her ic the ic is the base of your chart it's kind of like the depth of the chart so her saturn was exactly conjuncted and it was a few degrees away from her saturn square so again like we said saturn makes these major seven year transits in a person's chart so you know you have your saturn opposition is age ain't nothing but a number her saturn square is when she died um and she didn't make it to her first saturn return which is kind of culmination Mm. point that's in her fifth house of Gemini, um, which is ruled by that 12th house, that kind of past lives house. But 
along with that Saturn square, she was going through her exact Uranus square. So Uranus, which is in Scorpio, which is the sign of uh, death and metamorphosis, it's in an exact square and it's exactly conjoining her ascendant in Aquarius. So I just want to say like at this moment, she had two very powerful outer planets, Uranus and Saturn, exactly hitting on uh, two key points in her chart, her ascendant and her IC. So there was just a lot getting really activated in this like primal archetypal way. The other thing I wanna say is that, you know, Aaliyah had Pluto in Libra. Like we said, Pluto is the kind of underworld. It's this site of death and metamorphosis. Um, in Libra, Libra is the sign of um, relationships and harmony. Pluto was squaring her um, her sun and her Mars, which is very explosive. Like I said, it's it's called the Annihilator. But Pluto was in the ninth house. The ninth house is the house of spirituality, uh, higher learning, but it's also the house of travel. So it's just interesting that we have her Pluto in that ninth house of travel um, at this moment of, because, you know, she died in a plane crash. That's my kind of student amateur reading. I, I don't want to say that electional astrology is my forte. Um, the other thing I just want to say, though, is that her Pluto was in a sextile to her Neptune. Neptune is this kind of dream, this fantasy, this connection to the higher uh, consciousness. And like we said, she had her Venus and her Neptune in that 11th house. So there is this idea, I think, that her death point, that Pluto, was able to be transformed into this artistic vision and this social vision. Uh, 11th house is very much about internet. It's very much about network. It's very much about milieu. It's very much about style, um, which her Venus, conjoined her midheaven, was able to really disseminate um, and able to cut. So you know, her death was able to kind of be transformed in this beautiful way. But I'm wondering if any of that is resonating for you, Gabby. Um, I was taking it all in. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> and that's, by the way, Come just to totally, <laughs> yeah, that's just my interpretation. Um, but yeah, there's like a lot of sex and death in her chart. And a lot of, th there is this like, <laughs> young sex symbol and also this kind of ancient akashic akasha mm -hmm. power <laughs> yeah and it was it's just interesting when i mean this happens often you know i think when people are obviously celebrated when they pass away too soon but especially with her like she had just put out this album and i think people really like took another look and um and she kind of rocketed to like a next, you know, a new level. Yeah. Um, and yeah, um, I don't know where I was going. And and that. also like, I think what's amazing about Queen of the Damned is like, she's playing this immortal. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember being so young, you know, Pluto is in her ninth house. The ninth house is very much a house of teaching. Um, and it's linked up with her Sagittarius. And obviously she's an Aquarius rising. Aquarius is about the dissemination of 
ideas. And Aquarius is ruled by Uranus, this revolutionary planet in Scorpio. Scorpio is the planet of death and rebirth, and that's in your 10th house of career and public roles. When I was 10, when I was 11 and she died, she was one of the first like celebrities that I truly loved who died. And I learned a lot about death through that. And, you know, Missy Elliott put Aaliyah iconography in every single video and in a lot of her VMA performances. And I learned a lot about death through that. Um, So there is this aspect of her power and her message getting circulated right aquarius rules the circulatory system getting circulated in a new way through this scorpio uranus through this uh pluto in the ninth house through this um venus neptune in the 11th house through uh this moon and saturn in the eighth house through this idea of death and and immortality um yeah Mm -hmm. so i'm just curious gabby like what do you think she would be doing you know we know her legacy now is so if you look at beyonce if you look at rihanna like yeah uh, hello her her legacy i think beyonce by the way learned a lot about not learned but a lot of beyonce's privacy beyonce is the ultimate virgo let's remember Mm -hmm. that Aaliyah has this extremely powerful virgo moon virgo saturn virgo north node i think a lot of Beyonce's control over her public image is very much informed by Aaliyah, first of all. Probably. And I think a lot of Rihanna's cool is very much informed by Aaliyah, secondly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, like, what you think she would be doing or what you think the culture would be like now or anything about that kind of right now. Um, <sighs> I mean, how it's hard to say because, like, you know, how can you possibly answer that but it's just it's it's interesting because like the music she put out 20 over 20 years ago I feel like it's so it does it's I mean it it feels it feels timeless Mm -hmm. in that it doesn't it really um fit into like any specific era of, of as like belonging to that era like it feels like it could happen now and still feel just as fresh so it's like would she still be making that kind of music would she have like gone into other genres would she be like a huge movie star you know it's it's hard to even i have this idea i get a sense that she would have not wanted to be i could see her becoming a major producer and a major movie star i could see her not wanting to be putting out music as much just because there's so much privacy in her chart and I don't think she would have reacted you know the way that people are always like when is Rihanna you know the way that faggots are like when is the next Rihanna album coming out she would not have played that game no minute um yeah and maybe she would have been maybe she would have been like an entrepreneur kind of before um like sort of what Beyonce and Rihanna have been doing for a while now like maybe she would have been going in that direction before they even did. And and she is, I agree with you, she's someone like Rihanna and like Jasmine Sullivan who like takes their time. Yeah. And you're not going to get an album until you get an album. Yeah. And if we think about like what the public has done to Brandy, who is iconic Aquarius and like the mm-hmm. ways that the public has very much turned on her in very like, I obviously understand that what happened with Brandy is like not 
nothing. Um, but you know, Billy Joel and Caitlyn Jenner have had similar experiences oh gosh. and they mm -hmm. have not gone down for it in the same way. I think Aaliyah would not have wanted to like even be playing along with that, you know? So I can really see Aaliyah being like this powerful, doing guest spots on other people's songs, maybe producing, maybe being this like influence while, you know, the way Erica Badu is a lot, but Erica Badu is very much like this powerful figure who mm -hmm. often works like Erica Badu does not put out albums often, but Erica Badu, like we don't have Andre 3000, we don't have Common, we don't have all these other people without Erica Badu. And I can see Aaliyah being in that kind of journey. Yeah. Mm. While being the greatest style icon. She really would. She really would be. Yeah. Um, and like the baggy aesthetic is so, it's just so Aquarian to me of like, this is sexy in a way that you didn't see coming and in a right. way that like is much cooler or more subtle than you're used to you know yeah yeah but it was still there it wasn't like it wasn't yeah. like being a tomboy and like hiding you know wearing baggy clothes to like go the opposite of sexy like it still was totally sexy just totally. in a different way um i also I don't know how this fits in, but I just really want to mention that um, apparently something that she liked to do and well, apparently she was a homebody as we've sort of mm. established and something she liked to do for fun was, I quote, she on occasion went out and played laser tag. I know, which, it's so sweet. Yeah, like, <laughs> huh? And, and the other thing I want to say, you know, she had this Virgo moon, so she got a lot of safety in that Virgo element. Virgo loves small animals and she had many pets, quote, including ducks, snakes, and iguanas. I'm obsessed with that. So I love that she has this like Virgo moon and she loves to be with her pet iguana. Yeah. While she's like the face of Tommy Hilfiger. <laughs> um, so Gabby, for people who are reconnecting with Aaliyah, are there mm. any essential tracks or albums or maybe remixes or covers we should know about? Okay, I think my favorites... Okay, I'm gonna not go chronologically because when I like started to do a deep dive, when she passed away and I got even, you know, sort of more intense about my fandom, my favorites are, Are You That Somebody? Mm. I, I love We Need a Resolution, which was not a big hit. It was her first mm. single from her last album. Not it's unusual. Bit. It's amazing, though. It's very unusual, but it's like very, like, Tim. It's very iconic Timbaland. Like he took these samples, yeah. and it's kind um, of post Lil Kim too. It's like ooh. this subtle version of like you know just the way that the beat comes in. Yeah. It's very sexy, but it's very, very serpent serpentine. Yes. Um. So that's a huge one for me. Rock the boat. Um. Mm. Try again. But then from like back in the nineties, like um. At Your Best, oh. which is a cover, an Isley Brothers cover. Fuck. And um, Back and Forth, If Your Girl Only Knew. Mm. Yeah, those are some of my favorites. Mm. Um, um, also, like, I think we need to say this as two white faggots. Like, yes. Gabby and I, Gabby introduced me to a Sam Sparrow cover of Rock the <gasps> That is like. Don't even get me started. It's on SoundCloud. It's on his SoundCloud. It is. It is 
sublime. It's pretty life-changing. Um, Gabby, like, do you have any closing thoughts on Aaliyah, on her personal influence on you, anything like that you, you just want to share? That's a good question. I mean, I said this earlier, but I think she's just kind of the epitome of effortless coolness. Mm. Um, she's just so elegant and cool and forward thinking. And I really love that every year, I mean, always, but you know, every year on her birthday or the anniversary of her death, there's such a huge online like celebration of her legacy and her career even though most of her music is not available on streaming which i mm -hmm. hope will be change at some point but it's really nice to see that um that even if even if i can't i do have the the cd of her third album <laughs> but unfortunately i don't have a cd player so i can't <laughs> listen to it um but it's i always um i'm happy to see that people hold hold on so tightly to what we do have from her, even though it's like weirdly not available. <laughs> I'm hoping that while Jupiter and Saturn are in Aquarius, which was her rising sign, the dissemination of her music will become uh, more publicly available. I hope so. Through new technology, because that's what Aquarius is all about. Um, Gabby, where can we be following you? Because especially I know on your Twitter, uh, we get a lot of very <laughs> niche musical commentary that I think people really need to know about. Well, I'm glad you think that because I constantly tweet things and think, you know what, my, I just don't have the follower. Um, my followers are, are not, don't care. They don't care about this. <laughs> I'm talking about 90s R&B and nobody cares <laughs> except for like two people. And you're an Aquarian um, and you're ahead of your time. Yeah, totally. Um, on Instagram, you can find me at the midnight riffstress. That's R-I-F-F-S-T-R-E-S-S. -S. And on Twitter, equally as ridiculous, um, you can find me at Carmina Barata. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a play on Carmina Barana. Um, anyway, or you can just type in my name and maybe my handle will pop up. <laughs> Um, wow, I did not know about Carmina. You know, yeah, um, if I can make a little handle that includes music and cheese, then that's <laughs> all I need, you know? Um, Gabby, thank you so much for this. Thank, thank you, you for, for letting me, me go all the way off, just up and down, back and forth. Oh my God, thank you boat. for letting me talk about my favorite subject for an hour. Um, all right. <laughs> I, as always, I'm David Odyssey. You can follow me on Instagram at... Uh, David underscore Odyssey. If you would like your astrology or tarot booked, DM me or email me at adavidodyssey at gmail.com. Um, and by the way, if you have ideas for who, who should be read next, dead or alive, hit me up. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you to Aaliyah. Truly, like I want to thank, thank her. Thank you. We love you. We love you. And I want to thank, you know, before this reading, I called on Aaliyah's loved ones, her champions, her guides. Um, so I want to thank like her collaborators, her family, her fans, um, and everyone who kind of shared in her legacy. And I want to thank Aaliyah herself for informing this reading. And this reading was done with love. Um, and we thank you and we love you. The Luminaries was made in New York City. Consulting producer, Carly Hugendijk. Music by Henry Kapersky. 
Art by Greg Kozatek. If you'd like to book an astrology or tarot reading with me, David Odyssey, you can email me at adavidodyssey at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram, david underscore odyssey. I hope you enjoy. Please share, like, subscribe, rate, etc. See you on the other side. What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact every bite is better with Pepsi.